chapter thirteen of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org transition by emma francis brooke chapter thirteen paul sheridan was undoubtedly a profoundly disagreeable person complacency had no chance with him and complacency was in consequence furious honora for instance found it extremely difficult to pardon him for his conversational method littleton insisted upon bringing him to call though sheridan himself was alarmed and protesting and afterwards a series of pleasant supper-parties were arranged with the object of introducing honora to the socialist circle honora made two or three discoveries in the course of this experience in the first place that the socialist circle had a vivid and easy charm of its own which agreeably distinguished it from other society in the second that it obviously included some of the most advanced thinkers of london indeed it had quite an extinguishing effect upon her university recollections that past whose intellectual brilliancy she had believed could scarcely be repeated again she discovered that the possession of an university education and a first class in classics by no means necessarily made her a match for the members of it really lucilla said she some three months after littleton's first call i feel that i am being put through a course of intellectual gymnastics now my ideal of conversation has always been to have a distinguished man in a corner to myself a man who will talk brilliantly but who will never forget to introduce a soothing compliment every two or three minutes i like to be sure that i am not being ignored lucilla's lip went up that isn't mr littleton's style is it asked she not of late said honora slowly it used to be something of that kind as to mr sheridan what of him conversation with him resembles a game of skittles i am the skittle you understand he is the ball lucilla comically smiling thought she could follow honora's meaning indeed sheridan's conversation was apt to be dotted with figures he would use them to meet vague clever-sounding generalities introducing them side by side with quotations from the poets in a juxtaposition which struck honora as strange and certainly not in the best classical style in truth the food for his imagination lay in the commonest things he required no more than the everyday affairs of an everyday earth to set his heart a work on its lifelong labour of divination the poetry he read out of a factory or a workshop was not a mere fanciful appreciation of the packed life beating in a multitude of individuals between four walls the superior person detecting for verse-making purposes the picturesqueness of destiny working itself out in many closely adjacent lines no one ever had his nose less in the air than sheridan it was that to his divining eye 
the commonest things told the deepest earth histories the rhythm of his poetry had in it the fall of hammers the hum of wheels the ceaseless tramp of the workers feet the rattle of traffic and the rush of steam as the genius of the historian out of broken pottery and scattered shreds revives the palpitating life of the long-dead city so he out of figures would extract the passionate realities and tragedies of present existence your truest poetry is found in statistics he would say but if his poetry was not that of the superior person neither was his point of view that of the commercial soul the bigness of figures as representing production stirred him chiefly in reference to distribution and high results and profits agitated him very dubiously indeed he had indeed a way of perusing figures from a point of view terribly human and embarrassing and he would mention his facts publish them talk loud and long some people thought and have intolerably insistent devices for creating uneasiness a good many persons thought him impious a larger number called him conceited and those who could conveniently do so without drawing too much attention to themselves named him charlatan and fool but the commoner folk saw that their bed and board their nights and days their food and leisure were in question some of the uncommoner kind who had never been found in a tight fix as to bed and board discovered themselves to be notably disturbed in the higher parts of conscious existence the firm outline of sheridan's thought had the comprehensiveness of a simple thing so that many looking into it found themselves startled by meeting therein as in a mirror the starved eyes of their own ideal it was of course evident to serious readers of history that sheridan and his friends had not so much started an original line of thought as revived a perennial agitation in the very hour when it was likely to be successful what they had indeed done was to cut as it were a channel between a landlocked country and a sea down which the long-travelled ventures of dead men fleets of thought sent out in prior times might sail tranquilly into haven at last if any one had told any of the pompous products of english wealth and respectability who were scandalized at the rumors of london socialism that to a certain section of the english revolutionary party sheridan's method represented a compromise with officialism a surrender of principle to expediency even reaction and retrogression they would have been lost in amazement nevertheless such was the case there are ever some outrunners of even the advance guard of thought who carry the fire-tipped torch far ahead and having long outstripped caution and slow-paced success look back on the army coming into possession with beckoning hand and angry eyes it was shortly after lucilla's westminster escapade that littleton gave the first of the series of supper parties on honora's behalf lucilla was present of course and very much to sheridan's satisfaction appeared to be her old gay self again for lucilla when untroubled by the too deep stirring of emotion could be 
as careless and light-hearted as a child apparently for some reason she had set aside that rather tumultuous mood in which he had last found her honora puzzled at her surroundings and just a little suspicious and on her dignity was secretly the mark of some kindly banter and amusement on the part of the friends she felt herself to be certainly in society of a kind but there hardly appeared to be opportunity for that distinguished bearing which she had hitherto connected with her idea of a circle lucilla fairly startled her into naturalness when after supper and they were gathered round the fire she prettily entreated lyttleton to spare her a cigarette honora could scarcely believe her eyes and ears oh lucilla my school murmured she with irrepressible spontaneity lyttleton's hand jerked with amusement as he handed lucilla a light honora's handsome eyes were round and solemn and frightened sheridan chuckled audibly we'll engage not to tell said he i hope you do not make too many sacrifices to the respectable said lyttleton he was standing by her side for the moment his hands thrust in the pockets of his short coat he was full of a joyous warmth at having her in his chambers face to face with his own friends and his own life a more than ordinary vitality was shaken out of him and expressed itself in quicker movements and a more rapid brighter expressiveness than was his wont it overflowed in the colour and changes of his face honora looking up to him unconsciously sparkled under his irradiation oh said lucilla puffing away manfully her fine little nose in the air i assure you we have to be extremely smug it isn't our own consciences we are cherishing of course nor even the consciences of the children it is the consciences of all the parents that's an uncommonly long sick list i fear said sheridan but i object to smoking said honora firmly lucilla i am horrified leslie i wonder you allow it lucilla give me that cigarette back said lyttleton extending his hand indeed no said lucilla putting him aside i never said that honora and i had to cherish each other's consciences you must know added she turning to her friend that cigarettes and early rising are my favourite vices i am sorry to hear about the early rising said paul because that argues a poverty in resource it is only an excuse for gross idleness during the day said lyttleton oh i am no great sinner returned lucilla on either count i am always too tired for the one and too poor for the other still to prevent accidents we might as well introduce it into the socialist basis that every one shall adjure early rising said lyttleton as a virtue put in lucilla and breakfast at eight o'clock i don't know what you're talking about said honora indignantly i think your world will be in a very great muddle the servant said sheridan suggestively always gets up first and nobody counts it to the kitchen for righteousness put in lucilla don't mind them said lyttleton in playful confidence to honora we are bound are we not since we don't possess much solid virtue to put in a little embroidery somewhere it would be amusing said lucilla if we could play post in earnest for a month or two and everybody take some other person's position 
how abjectly helpless many of us would be now that would be an excellent thing said sheridan only i should extend the period it would prove very selective for one thing i have been working on the subject of our public schools lately they appear to me to be establishments designed for keeping many middle-class lads out of the manual labour they are fitted for now that would be an excellent thing said sheridan only i should extend the period it would prove very selective for one thing i have been working on the subject of our public schools lately they appear to me to be establishments designed for keeping many middle-class lads out of the manual labour they are fitted for and denying chances to the fine talent below languishing for want of opportunity i should have thought said honora severely that with compulsory and free education and such a code as i find is permitted by the education department that the chances were pretty equal already and that it was exaggeration to speak of talent languishing for want of an opportunity sheridan turned quickly towards her she was warned by the not uncourteous light of amusement in his eyes that something was about to shoot from his lips which would be extremely disconcerting to a distinguished woman i am surprised to hear you say that said he promptly diving into statistics let us take london alone only one out of forty london boys continues his education after the age of twelve fifty thousand leave school every year and only about a thousand go on to secondary education do you call that any opportunity at all the majority of the juvenile population in our unorganized system of education are sacrificed while a small minority learn or neglect to learn at their expense such a state of things would not be permitted in a state based on social equality do you mean said honora that you would take away the opportunities of those who rightfully possess them in order to hand them to others not at all i deny that one small section has the right any more than another all the same what i desire is simply equitable distribution of chances joy in widest commonalty spread instead of special appropriation here littleton who was accustomed to read honora's face interposed to save the conversation which seemed to him like to pass into the condition of a half-capsized boat whose sails have got unmanageable it was an ironical revenge of circumstance and time that honora who had cherished disdain a very filial and gentle disdain of course in regard to her father's mental position thinking of herself as a whole generation ahead of him should discover a certain coincidence of idea between him and sheridan for sheridan however little she agreed with him could hardly be described as other than abreast of his age now honora was conscious of feeling chronically shocked his profane intermeddling with settled topic university subjects too struck her as turbulent secretly she classed him as a riotous person gentlemanly of course which made it all the more insidious in his proximity she was uncomfortably suspicious that her mind and opinions assumed an antiquated air or at least one of middle age as though a cap and mittens had somehow got into her very constitution from the date of the first supper-party at littleton's chambers lucilla to all appearance recovered her normal state of mind 
during that evening her manner to paul with all its gaiety had been a little timid and yielding as though conscious of having given him cause for affront good-night paul said she in her softest voice when the hour for parting arrived and she and honora were muffled up for their return journey and sheridan delighted to see that she had thrown off her mysteriously dark mood considered his injuries already atoned for during the half-year that followed she seemed to win back more and more to happiness in the natural routine and satisfactions of her life as far as the schoolwork went she had never flagged in zest and energy but during this time she threw herself again into line with paul and littleton and their friends following on with the general effort apparently without a repetition of mental uneasiness and during this time honora's acquaintance with the socialist circle proceeded side by side with her successful energy in the school work End of chapter thirteen